Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit BrumRadio.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to Brum Hour on Brum Radio. I'm Dave Massey. I'm joined on the telephone by Simon Wilcox, who has a brand new book out. And the book is called From Gas Street to the Ganges, and it's published by the History Press. Uh, Good afternoon, Simon. How are you doing? Yes, I'm very well, thanks, Dave. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, thanks for inviting me onto your show. No worries. How does it feel to have a brand new book out? Really exciting, uh, but also a bit terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, generally excited. It's the, it's the first um, I've written, I, uh, it's the first book that I've been commissioned for by the History Press. I, I've got one previous book out on Amazon, but that was self-published. Uh, so this book published by the History Press really feels like the real thing. Um, as if I've sort of grown up all of a sudden. And having it as an actual project, I was really excited to have a book delivered through my door um, the other day, and it was my very own copy of this book, very kindly sent to me by the publishers. Um, for me, seeing uh, local history um, connecting to the world in this way is really exciting. Um, where, where, When and where did you first pitch the idea, and how long ago was that? Well, as I explain in the introduction to the book, um, it all started just before Christmas in 2017, uh, when I spent a couple of dark winter days ambling around Birmingham, Mm -hmm. um, uh, because Birmingham was the place where I was born and where I grew up, but I've been away ever since. Um, and I just wanted to walk around it again. And, um, and, I, and the walk took me around the Gas Street Basin, the central hub of Birmingham's canal network, the Jewellery Quarter mm-hmm. and various other places. Uh, and then, uh, as it happened, uh, just a few days later, the news came through uh, that Birmingham was going to host the 2022 Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. And there was also a lot of press coverage around the time saying that Birmingham would be a perfect place to hold the Games because one in ten Brummies had been born in a Commonwealth country and many, many more had family connections in places like Jamaica, Nigeria, India. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in other words, you know, Birmingham was a vibrant, multicultural sort of place. And, and it, I, I guess it really got me thinking that, you know, I really wanted to get to know the place again. Um, and it seemed to me that it had come a long way since um, my youth in the 1970s in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wanted to get to know the city again. And given that I'd uh, I travelled overseas quite a lot myself, yes, um, I, I, I worked in Singapore for for a few years mm-hmm. as a journalist. Uh, and uh, travelled around India and Malaysia, other Commonwealth countries as well. Um, it, uh, you know, suddenly it, the idea sprung to mind that uh, this was the book that uh, I needed to write. And uh, so a few months later, um, I pitched it to one publisher, um, and they said, not really our thing, but it sounds a really good idea. Um, and so... Uh, uh, then I published it. Uh, then I pitched it to the History Press, and they said, "Yes, it is a good idea, and we'd like to commission it." What That's the kind of history of it all? That's a and what a lovely opportunity to do that as well. And yeah. one of the interesting things, and I don't know if you've noticed this from uh, the the cover itself, uh, when Eurovision came to Birmingham in 1998, the the very shot that they used of the city to 
to show the city's history is this the shot angle that you've taken from the canal looking uh, along towards where the National Indoor Arena is now. Yes. And I find that absolutely fascinating because it really captures our what what Birmingham was uh, in the day when it was uh, providing to the you know provi providing jobs in this way, and we were using the canals in this way to get products out to the world. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you did you ever think that there'd be this renaissance for Birmingham? Um, that you've returned to, did you ever think that there'd be that that love for it that had maybe gone away over the years? Uh, not, not really. No. no. <laughs> I, mean, I grew up in um, uh, in Birmingham in yes. the 1960s and 1970s, mm -hmm. and it, in the 1970s, it was very much uh, a city in industrial decline. Yes. Um, and um, uh, all the industries, all the big famous Birmingham firms including the car industry, was all going to the wall. Um, and it was, a, um, and my father was the editor of the Birmingham Chamber of Commerce Journal. At the oh, time, wow. And he recorded um, all of that uh, bit of industrial history. Mm -hmm. And it, it just did, Birmingham did feel like a, a gloomy old place. And I was, um, at, at the time, um, I just, I, I just wanted to get out, really. Yes. go to other places uh, and I went to Liverpool University mm -hmm. and then I went down to London to work um, and it was really Birmingham was really a place that you had to get out of in yes. those days um, uh, having said that uh, you know it was just becoming uh, multicultural well it, it was becoming quite strongly multicultural mm -hmm. by then and I guess that's where the seeds of the Renaissance probably started but, but I went away for 20 years 30 years wow. um, and so um, when I came back uh, it's this really vibrant sort of uh, service-led um, multicultural cultural industry kind of place isn't mm -hmm. it um, and yeah it was a totally different place to the the, the place that I uh, grew up in just just this week as we're recording this we've had Tom Cruise in Birmingham and he's been yeah. um, he's been filming for Mission Impossible Seven, and they doubled um, Birmingham. Uh, the, the the I call it Birmingham Shopping Centre. I'm sure it's had uh, been called the the Palisades over the years, and then and now it's yeah. Grand Central Birmingham. And when I very first walked into there five years ago, um, I said to my friend that I was with, "It looks like uh, this looks like an airport departures lounge." And amusingly enough, apparently it's been um, filmed to look like um, uh, Abu Dhabi Airport um, with a Emirates uh, lounge. Did you ever think that there'd yeah. be a piece of Birmingham that could double as a Middle East location? Middle Eastern Airport. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't seem very feasible to me. <laughs> no, no, not really. I must admit. <laughs> Absolutely. What was your what was your favourite section to research um, with this book? And w at what point did you go from the knowledge that you already had to switching into research mode? I had the knowledge of all the old uh, great Birmingham firms, you know, like Typhoo and mm -hmm. GKN and um, uh, Lucas and yes, um, yeah. Austin Motors. Uh, and I guess we all have um, to a certain extent. So I knew... That and also through my father, who edited the Birmingham Chamber Journal, yes. 
was also an industrial correspondent on Birmingham newspapers in the 1950s. Wow. So I knew all of that side of things, you know, the industrial uh, side of Birmingham and the whole story of when it was an industrial um, powerhouse. Yes. Um, and so I went to uh, the archives, um, mainly the Wolfson Archive Centre at the Birmingham Library, expecting to find it, find the records all about that. Um, but uh, actually, what was so surprising um, was that uh, a lot of the um, things that I found in the records were um, about uh, non-conformist activists. Yes. Uh, and it really gave me the impression that Birmingham was a kind of non-conformist uh, kind of town mm -hmm. um, for, for uh, many reasons. Um, it uh, attracted uh, Quakers and Baptists and Unitarians. Mm -hmm. It became a magnet for uh, those non-conformist religions in the 17th and 18th century. Um, and... Uh, they really formed uh, a, a significant and sort of dynamic uh, sort of part of Birmingham mm -hmm. in the 19th century. And in the archives, I found all sorts of um, non-conformist activists uh, sort of campaigning for social justice. So I found um, a great group of women called the Birmingham Female Society, mm -hmm. uh, who... Um, campaigned for the abolition of slavery and in the British Empire wow. in the 1820s and 1830s, particularly in the Caribbean. Yes. Um, and uh, they really uh, were quite innovative. They employed modern canvassing methods such as door-to-door -door canvassing, calling for uh, a boycott of sugar produced in the slave wow. plantations. Yeah. Um, and the... Uh, uh, the, the archive is, is just full of um, people like that. And, and I really think it's, uh, it, it was these people at that time that made Birmingham tick. Uh, well, I've, I've never heard that before. That's a fantastic story to hear about. Um, I can just imagine, I was just imagining these people going door to door in Birmingham and suggesting not to use particular uh, products. I, I just think that's brilliant. And it makes me think of the social media campaigns that we have today um that that where people are saying don't don't go to this particular place or don't buy products from this particular business and i find that really fascinating that it was happening back in those days as as well what a, a tremendous tremendous thing to consider what would you say are the general themes of the book that uh that you covered and what what do you expect people to take away from the book um well Obviously, uh, nonconformism emerged uh, as uh, a major theme yeah. in the book, uh, as, I, as I've just explained. Yeah. And, it's, and it's not just those um, religious nonconformists in the 19th century that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm also talking about nonconformism in a much wider sense. Yes. Uh, so if you think about um, the African Caribbeans and the communities from the Indian subcontinent, uh, who came to Birmingham after the Second World War, uh, but were refused to be beaten down by the norms of what was quite a racist society at the time. Yes. And uh, you have people who, who fought back, and you have people like Henry Gunter, 
who became the first black delegate of the Birmingham Trades Council wow. in the 1950s. And of course, you've got uh, the Hansworth reggae band, Steve yes. Pulse, who played the first Rock Against Racism concert in 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you also have uh, the Sikhs uh, who shrugged off racism in Smethwick terrible racism in Smethwick mm-hmm. in the 1960s and, and took an old chapel on the high street there and turned it into um, the largest Sikh temple in Europe. Wow. So you have non-conformism in the, the wider sense, mm-hmm. I think, as well. Um, and I think generally, I hope um, my, my history book, uh, I think, tries to accentuate the positive. I mean, there are a lot of dark moments in the history of the British Empire, but uh, but I um, I try and accentuate the positive in the book, um, in that I think that both Birmingham and the Commonwealth have both, uh, uh, and the Empire and then the Commonwealth have both come on long, along, on long journeys mm-hmm. you know, from the sort of uh, slave trade days and the piracy of the East India Company, um, and. Uh, Gradually, uh, uh, Birmingham became a more progressive, liberal place, uh, thanks to the efforts of um, nonconformists, both uh, the religious nonconformists um, in the 19th century and our modern nonconformists today. Um, and in the same, and, com- and uh, the same goes for the Commonwealth too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started off as a sort of hangover from the British Empire, but now it's uh, it's an organisation that really represents liberal and democratic values around the world, um, and uh, you know those values of freedom of expression and freedom uh, of press, mm-hmm. and religious tolerance, and all of that sort of thing. And it's it's a the Commonwealth is made up of so many groups, um, or youth organisations, communities of interest. Uh, that it's really become a uh, more dynamic um, organisation, I think. So, I, so I'm trying to paint a good news story there. I think. Brilliant. Um, and I think the final message of the book, certainly for me, anyway. Um, but obviously, the readers can take away what they would want to take away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, I think the the final message is that there's there's really no place. Uh, so dark that it cannot be illuminated by light and by that I mean that um, we've had some pretty dark moments in our history Uh, you have the slave trade but then you had uh, uh, campaigners who campaigned against the slave trade and in the end brought it to an end Um, you have um, you have um, you have the racism of the British Raj in India, but then you have one of the historical characters that I wrote about in the book, Charles Freer Andrews from Birmingham, mm-hmm. uh, educated at King Edward's School, who who uh, went to India um, in the early 20th century, saw the racism and kind of rebelled against it and um, campaigned for poor communities in India, became best friends with Gandhi, Became Gandhi's unofficial ambassador um, for for him in Britain, and uh, before Gandhi's visits to the UK in 1931. Uh, so you, again, you've got uh, dark turning into light, and then uh, you've got you know 
even personal stories like uh, Tolkien, who was born in South Africa, uh, came to Birmingham. Both his parents died. Um, he ended up living in a boarding house in Edgbaston. Uh, but so he had a really torrid childhood. Uh, but he, but we all know what happened next. And he wrote these fabulous uh, fantasy novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, I suppose uh, the final, uh, my final example is just uh, hope. I think that um, that we've all gone through this terrible dark time with the pandemic, and hopefully. The Commonwealth Games next year yes. represent the, the the light at the end of the tunnel. What an exciting opportunity as well! Um, yeah, some very lovely words from yeah. you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today uh, about this. Uh, this this uh, book is from Gas Street to the Ganges, published by the History Press. You can find Simon on Twitter s wilcox ten. Uh, you can find the History Press on Twitter as thp underscore local, uh, and check out the book on the History Press. .co.uk. Um, all you've got to do is type in from Grass Street. That's what I typed in, and it brought up the whole book title. And then I went to Simon's page on there with the details of how you can buy the book. You can even buy the book as an ebook online to download onto a device. Um, Simon, thank you so much for chatting about this today. Um, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thanks very much, David. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.